0: Hi, I'm Erin, and you're listening to The Erin Roy Show. Clouds up ahead, just like men. Today's podcast is a lilting conversation with singer-songwriter Liz DeLise. Liz lives in Philly, and her voice carries throughout the country when she tours with her partner Mark Water and doubles down as a forceful onstage presence for performers such as choreographer David Dorfman. She's a magnetic person full of quiet intelligence, and she's super geeky about her craft, which makes you love her all the more. I expect we'll hear much more from her as time goes on. For now, we can live vicariously as she embodies the life of a graceful rocker. I'm grateful to Liz for many reasons. She inspires me, and she contributed her song Clouds Up Ahead as a theme song for this podcast series. She also offered to edit and create soundscapes for each and every episode. For that, I'm grateful. Thanks for being on the journey with me, Liz. I am sitting here with Liz DeLise, and we are... On the porch (laughs) of heaven. (laughs) Um, The ocean is right beside us. So thank you for being here with me, Liz. My pleasure. (laughs) And I met you in Jackson Hole, Wyoming Mm -hmm. a couple of... Or was that just a year ago? It seems like it was longer ago. It
1: feels like such a long time ago. I think it was just last summer, though. Was it during... Was it in the summer? Yeah.
0: Yeah? It was in August. (laughs) Cool. Um... And I am fortunate enough that you have agreed to gift me your song, Clouds yeah. Up Ahead, as part of the, the structure of the podcast that I've created. So thank you. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. <laughs> I'm so honored. What is, um, let's just start with what's top of your mind these days. Oh, it's a very good question. Um,
1: I think that um, as we, as a band, so I I had been playing solo for a long time and that's when that song Clods Up Ahead came out um, and a group of really awesome friends helped me. um, Sorry, wobbly table. (laughs) A group of really awesome friends um, helped me make that song and that album that came out on. um, And I think now as um, I started playing with my bandmate Mark and we're kind of we're finding this new sound that we found on this tour that we took um about a year ago um we drove two months across the country and it was very ambitious and really great and also very strange as those things tend to be Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um uh, but you know we, we found this new sound and I think that right now as I'm feeling a little more comfortable in that new sound it's sort of figuring out what what is my voice? What is our voice um, as a band and then also my voice as a musician and as a, a, a woman and, you know, um, just thinking about what my place is um, in art making and um, how to keep on connecting with, with women specifically and then, you know, everybody and then yeah, I don't know if that. I think that answered the question. Just sort of thinking about what um what my voice is.
0: And what is that process for you? Because you seem to me to be someone who's incredibly, you're very thoughtful. You're fine. Come you on out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, okay. Jeff. musician Jeff. A- <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your last name, Jeff?
1: Oh hi. <laughs> oh, it's perfect because Jeff is featured on the track. Is he? Yeah. On up ahead? Yeah. No way. He's yeah, the, 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 the fluttery clarinet. Sound. I think it's clarinet.
0: Yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I so, take
1: coffee. Sure. sure, I'll take
0: some coffee as okay. well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> see, I told you we're literally in heaven. Where people <laughs> just appear. Um, I'm gonna lower the gain a little. Sure, bit. Sure, yeah. Seems to be a little hot. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it does answer the question. But yes, to go back to my thought, you you seem incredibly thoughtful to me as an artist and as a musician and I guess I'm wondering a little bit what your process is when you say you're finding your voice and your band is finding its voice is that something that you sit out on beautiful porches and meditate on or does it sort of seep into your subconscious or are you more thoughtful about your process so I think
1: I could address that in a number of ways I think um Namely, what I think about when I think about what my voice is is sort of um, thinking about how I, um, how to give back in in art making, and of course, part of being a performer is I mean the actual performance is you're you're giving to the audience. It's definitely, you know, it, it is it's selfish and it's selfless. I feel like, and or at least that's that's how I think about um, performing. And I, um, I mean, in terms of I, I think I think really what I what I grapple with is just the idea of like, so I I do write um, very, it's very personal. um, Even if it is, you know, abstracted um, lyrically, it's, it's, it's all derived from personal experiences or just, you know, just what I'm thinking about that week um, or that day or that month or whatever it, it ends up being. um, But, you know, thinking about, okay, so my, my, Hyper personal experiences um, are they relatable um, on a on a broader spectrum of of people? Um, and I, I think ultimately, what I always end up at is like I'm like, oh my god, you know, this is such a specific like childhood memory, like no one's going to be able to relate this. But of course, the most, at least for me, the most relatable art is the most personal art, and really, what it comes down to is like just reminding myself that it's okay to be honest and it's okay to be personal in the work that you're making and that that's what most people I think ultimately want. I think that's the connection that we find is not the specific experience of like, oh, when I was a little kid, I had a sour gummy worm that I used to pretend was a pet which I did
0: mm-hmm. I don't think most people
1: I don't think most people have done that but it's, it's you know it's that it's that the strength of those childhood memories that I think people can relate to in general mm-hmm. um, so and then in terms of the actual writing process um, I think it is just it's a lot about again just letting it not censoring myself I think even when you're writing in a journal that's literally only for yourself, I at least I, I find that I, I sometimes censor myself and Aww. it's and I it's been this very interesting process in the last couple of years of just being like, no one's ever going to see this. No one has to ever know what's said in here. This is my one space to just say whatever I want and sort of embracing that feeling and trying to take that attitude um, to actually to to songwriting but then of course you know you do like I wouldn't call it censoring when you're songwriting but you are I I try to be of course a little more careful than just like freewheeling in a journal Mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm writing a song I, I try to think about okay like just the the words that I'm using, and how might this affect somebody? That's I know that sounds really vague, but I can't think of a specific example. But it,
0: it doesn't but. it doesn't sound vague actually. And your interest in people is fascinating to me. You studied cultural anthropology. I did, just yeah. undergrad, yeah. And what was the driving force for 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 getting and for studying that in school? Um. Well, a part of it
1: was that I mean. I did think about studying music, but I music has always been a part of my life, so I, I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to look at this these four years as a time to um, to explore something else that I don't know anything about. Ah, interesting. Um, and also, I, I have always really um, enjoyed um, learning about people and, and learning their stories and um, and just learning about the way they live their day-to-day life mm-hmm. and sort of, um, you know, what we'd consider the the mundane I think it's terrific mm-hmm. I, I'm really I'm really interested in that um and it's kind of cool because this piece that we did here at the at the college is, is a lot about that too it's just the the beauty in the everyday mm-hmm. um so that's that's sort of what pushed me toward it and it was also something I knew nothing about um and i took this intro class when i got to school and i was like cool this is great it's all about people and their culture
0: and where they come from and that sounds great yeah i'll do that well and and you're mentioning uh, david dorfman yeah yeah and which we are in connecticut and they just had a performance of around town and which is a, a beautiful piece and I've been lucky enough to hear you now in two of David's pieces with the same musical collaborators and you must have a tremendous connection with the people that you work with because to me you sort of seem to have a, a star, star guiding you and the people that you sort of you come across and then you get to collaborate with and I'm sure they feel equally fortunate but Can you talk a little bit about the people that you collaborate with and what they mean to you, how they contribute to your process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this group in particular, the the Dorfman folks, um, it's just, there's this unbelievable amount of trust. I mean, with with dance and especially modern dance and especially the Dorfman brand of Mm. modern dance is like, it's all about trust. And I've learned so much from that trust and flexibility. I mean, literally, they're dancers. They're very flexible. But also, you know, flexibility in the the making process, Mm -hmm. Um, which has been really great for me because, again, as someone who played music solo, I was a solo performer for a really long time. Um, (laughs) I think that um, working and making in this way has just opened me up for the better in terms of just being able to to just dive into the unknown Mm. Um, and in terms of I mean the other musicians that I work with they all helped on the album that I put out when I was still playing solo Um, Sam Crawford and Zeb Gould and Jeff Hudgens who just brought us coffee (laughs) Um, and then a a few other folks Timothy Quigley also plays on that and he played on a previous Dorfman project I mean they're all just it's like it's trust and then it's it's like unwavering support, which and like egoless, agendaless support. That's, it, it's, it's so hard to come by. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. And that also has taught me so much. Um, so I, they're all like my mentors, um, whether they know it or not, whether they want to be or not, they definitely mm-hmm. are. And then um, in terms of... Uh, My own work, uh, my band's uh, work, where I started uh, playing with Mark Water, who uh, went on that crazy tour with me. Um, We started playing together about a year and a half ago, I think. uh, Marking time gets harder and harder. Um, But he has also, um, he's opened me up in in other ways, um, in terms of the actual um, recording and um, arranging process like in the studio, um, he, you know, I I think, and this is also part of just like, getting a little more comfortable in in the studio environment, but working with him, I, I felt that I could actually you know speak my mind and just be like I don't like that and just be very honest which you have to be because it's getting recorded and then that's and then it's recorded and then that's it of course you can always go back and change things but you record it ideally you release it and you're like oh my god wait I hated that part and you hope that that doesn't happen and <laughs> of course I mean that's the that's the funny thing with the recording is like if you don't <laughs> sometimes i feel like it's like if you don't hate it you probably haven't spent enough time <laughs> <laughs> with it. but the, you hope for a balance um but I do, and I also um we we have a really a really nice musical collaboration happening that I'm really thankful for um yeah, I think it's it's that trust and that and that support and and the and trust like even if you don't actually trust i feel like even even if you're like, oh my god, like this idea is. Bonkers! Mm-hmm. I don't know where you're going with this, but really, just being like, "Sure, let's do it." Mm-hmm. I think that that's been um, at the center of all of these collaborations.
0: That leads me th- uh, there in one of your songs. There is the line, "Friend or foe, how would I know?" Oh my something god! Something like that. That's that an, old song? an old song. Crazy, cool, <laughs> and it leads me what you were just saying, you're right. The people that you work with and that we have in common are egoless and agendaless and so talented. Mm-hmm. Is When you meet someone that you're working with, it's tough to know if they're going to be a friend or a foe. And I feel like you've, in some of the writing that I found of yours online as well, you've, you've been pretty open about The process of of learning how to both like show yourself and also protect yourself and I think you're pretty far down that road in regards to your personal philosophy about that can you share with us a little bit what that means to you absolutely
1: I'm I'm that was. I was exa- thinking the exact same thing. Actually, I was actually thinking about this morning.
0: Huh.
1: Thinking about that this morning when I woke up, oh, thinking wow. about a conversation. I was like, "That is. That's been such a big part of um, discovering myself, for lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase." But um, yeah, you know, I've always been an incredibly open person, um, which is wonderful because it allows you to connect with. With everybody, essentially, even if you don't actually enjoy spending time with them, you're able to really connect with them. Um, but the flip side of that is that you give away so much of yourself, and then there's nothing left, and you're and it's tiring. And I feel like I remember when I was younger. Oh my gosh! I mean, this is like a really funny example, but. Um, in a very literal example, but I remember being, like, 10 years old. I think I was in, like, f- fourth or fifth grade. Um, and um, I, I wanted to be friends with everybody. I was, I was kind of new to the school, and I was like, I want to be friends with everybody, and, like, everyone's so nice and wonderful. And, of course, you're 10, so, like, that is something you should be thinking. <laughs> but also, um, kids would ask me to share my snack and I, and I would give it away and, and everybody would ask and ask, and then I wouldn't have any snack left. And <laughs> I mean, that's such a, I think about that when I, when I realize I'm, I'm giving um, too much of myself to every to everyone, even people who I've just met. Um, and I think part of what I'm learning as someone who, who tends toward being like very open and letting myself be very vulnerable, um is that you don't have to obligate yourself emotionally to every single person, and people don't expect that of you either mm-hmm. And a part of being a human and moving through the world successfully and without um, being so affected by every single every single experience is is putting up some walls and putting up a little a little bit of a barrier sometimes because i mean oh my gosh if you move through the world without that you really are just you would just like the highs would be so, are, are so high and the lows are so low and that is again it's incredible and allowing yourself to experience that as well is i think really important but but i i'm i'm learning slowly to just put up put up a few walls and and save some stuff for myself you know save mm-hmm. some of that emotional um energy for myself and and for those people um who are really, really special to me. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, um, and I think that's been an interesting, the way that's manifested itself in um, in my music making and, and songwriting is sort of just how the, you know, the, the lyrics have changed. Um, I still consider the music that we make very um, lyric centric, but also, um, they have become a little more abstracted. Mm. They're a little more um, textural than than literal, I guess, than like super straightforward. And I feel like that is kind of a function of just sort of wanting to withdraw a little bit, but not, but not, um, not be like false or anything like that. Just sort of pull back a little bit and let there be the fourth wall, essentially. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. And it is—it's a delicate balance. And I would imagine, and I, I want to hear more about your touring experience, because sure. I, think, I feel like, first of all, we all have this idea of what it means to be a rocker out on the road for oh, two months, and it's yeah. so glamorous. Um, but, you know, well, there are two questions here. So maybe mm-hmm. we'll start with, how How do you, when you're on, say, the road or after a show, how how do you... Decide how to protect yourself or who to open up to. Um, that's such a good. That's such a good question, and I think it's it's one that I
1: I end up talking about a lot with with friends who tour. Um, I think, well, on that tour in particular, I mean that was like the wackiest thing I think we've ever done and will ever do. Like I I hope to be on the road with with my band for two months again, but not not in the same exact way but I think it was an important experience we drove um I had this 1994 GMC Jimmy that we bought from one of my mom's neighbors and it oh man it really like <laughs> like she did us right but we drove that thing into the ground like I can't I cannot believe it made it across the country and back. it's since been uh donated so it's it got to a point where the repairs were just <laughs> astronomical um so that was that was one part of the experience was just like the actual comfort level was not it was I mean mm. the seats were very cushy um, it was a luxury vehicle in its time but it was not it's very loud and the AC broke when we were in Arizona so it was very uncomfortable um, in that respect the fact that Mark and I still like each other is miraculous to me sometimes when I think about that um, but that's also it's a pretty binding bonding experience so um but yeah so so in terms of um yeah you know you're playing pretty much I mean again this is part of what made the tour so crazy but we played in a different place every single day for two months I think we had like two days off
0: Mm
1: -hmm. one of them was planned and the other one was the election we were like we're not gonna we're not gonna play this day um so that was also crazy we'll never work with that booker again um but I don't think he'll listen I don't think he'll ever listen to this I think we're <laughs> fine I think we're safe It <laughs> was fine but we won't work with him again because that was insane um but sorry I keep no you're skirting good. around the question so the um I think I think it is, you know, in in some ways it was just like, oh my God, we're so tired. We don't actually have the energy or the bandwidth to like, to speak with people for longer than like 10 minutes after the show. You're just like, oh my God, I'm actually falling asleep where I stand. Um, And another part of it was also like practical. It was like, oh, we have to get to our host's house. We did a lot of couch surfing. We did some Airbnb. Um, We stayed with um, Mark's parents, both. Um, have worked in colleges around the um, around the U.S. Um, and so they really generously connected us with like all these people that they had connected with. So you know we were staying with people that we had met before. So we were like, oh, we actually have to go. And that was always a great excuse for when we were exhausted. But it's hard too because, again, the um, the flip side is like, oh my god, like I want to talk to you. I want to hear about how. I mean, how you thought it went? Like, what what songs did you particularly enjoy? What lyrics did you connect with? What sounds did you connect with? Um, you want you want to hear that? That's a part of why you you get up on the stage or or whatever. Um, so, I think I think that also. I mean, very rarely did I interact with people who. Um, didn't understand how tired we were uh-huh. you know I think most people were very um, aware and respectful and would like speak with us for a few minutes and would you know we'd find ways to connect if we, if we thought that there might be like a further conversation um, and then they were like you need to you're clearly tired you're on this crazy tour like go do what you need to do most people were super respectful um, and aware which I'm really thankful for um, there there was the occasional person, it was usually like in a in a divy bar when alcohol had been involved. It's usually like an older gentleman would come over and just like talk your ear off about really ultimately it had nothing to do with what you were doing. You just wanted someone to talk to. Like I don't really know. And that that wears on you pretty quickly. But I've something I developed on the tour was like just being like I have to go and not being sorry for saying like I have to go and just kind of putting your foot down. I think that that's something that, I mean, as as a woman, you don't really, it's, it's funny. It's like you're taught to be nice and very smiley and polite. And that's, I mean, again, that said, like my parents also taught me to like, you know, fight for what you believe in, et cetera. But, you know, there's also, it's, it's interesting to find that balance of like, oh, I want, you know, I want to be polite and I want to be generous. Um, but also like, I'm exhausted and you're taking up valuable space in my life right now and I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. And so learning to just be okay with like, like, nope, I'm done now. And that was really um that's that served me so well as somebody who hates confrontation and and was
0: never very good at at doing that. so and there's there's something in there about coming to terms with the fact that not everybody is going to like us or that. absolutely and we have to yeah. be okay to be okay with it with that,
1: yeah, because you shouldn't you shouldn't get along with everybody. It's not possible, mm-hmm. but I still again the 10 year old and he's
0: like, no, but we're all just going to be friends. Right. So it's, and it's also because it's important, you know, you go out and you play a show and part of it is the business aspect of it. And that you simply need fans of your music. Absolutely. Which also then revolves back around to, you just have to believe that what you're giving them is enough. And it's the song that you're giving them and whatever you can of your personal self, but you, you you gave so much while you were up on stage to expect anything more than that is perhaps unfair of the people on the other side of that
1: absolutely in the audience that's so well put and um i think yeah again more often than not most people understood that i think anyone else that didn't see that just was in their own in their own world Mm -hmm. and that's and that's okay too like that can exist too but yeah Mm -hmm. I don't need to be a party to it for too long.
0: Um, I would love to talk a little bit about just how you approach the business aspect of your career. Because you seem to me, as an outsider, just, you know, sort of looking into your, your, your career, you just seem to do a nice job of balancing the artistic with the commerce side of things. I mean, just even that you, you organized a two month tour and found this vehicle <laughs> and, you know, put together places to stay. Like That's very kind. <laughs> What's your, do you have a process? Are you still figuring it out?
1: Definitely still figuring it out. I'm very fortunate that the path I've chosen also happens to be the path that my dad chose. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, in a, big way he's the reason why it never seemed crazy to me to be a musician because he is a musician and he also um is a is a teacher and was a professor for a long time but and and my mom too um, my mom used to sing in wedding bands and then they had a a business together they like wrote jingles together and i was actually before you came over here i was listening to some of those that he had sent me and they're pretty great
0: are they oh my wow. god
1: they're awesome um yeah, and so it, it never seemed like out of the question. And I almost think that's a that's a part of the reason why I didn't I didn't um I decided not to major in music in college too. I did, you know, I took some courses and I um I've studied, you know, the theory side of things like with my dad, um and then growing up like playing piano and violin, um and, and things like that. Um But again, that was sort of, I was like, oh, my God, well, my parents are like, you know, they're doing this. Like, it's always going to be around. Like, I'm not worried about that. Um, And I, it's funny because I never thought that I would be on this path. And I think um, a big reason why that happened is because, I mean, as a college student, David Dorfman trusted me enough to be like, come and sing with my (laughs) professional people, which... blows my mind still um but I mean I really look at that as a big part of what facilitated me to be like you know in addition to seeing my dad do it his whole life um I think you know getting to work with with David Dorfman Dance was like oh my god wait people do this people actually make this work and they're not like crazy famous and they're also not like starving they're mm-hmm. actually just working as musicians and artists so I was like what the heck this is so cool um, so I mean in terms of the business side of things my my dad is um has been really good at like you know giving me these little like nuggets here and there and teaching me um, and there, there are a lot of resources out there now um, and I think I mean I am like definitely a type A person, so I tend to be very organized, which has served me well. Um, I'm glad that that's a thing. I'm glad that my like anal retentiveness is serving me well. <laughs> um, so it it's it's hard though. Um, it's I it's hard. I was just talking to somebody about this uh, where you you want to just just play for the love of playing. Um, and it's hard when you when you might you might play a show with with people who, um, you know, have other work that they do, and then they also play in a band, which is a great way to do it. Um, but that's not how we do it. And you play a show, and all the money goes to not the fans, and you're like, shoot! Like, it's not that I expected buku bucks, but gas money is a thing. Mm. So um, I think it's it's finding. I think again, it's just it's being okay with like kind of putting your foot down and being like, no, I need, I'm going to need something from this because, like you said, I mean, you are like putting so much of yourself into your work, um, and on stage that um, you need. You need a little bit of something so you can go grocery shopping. It's like basic. It's just like it's just like you get you need to get paid for your work like in any other field, um, because it is work. Um, but I, I, appreciate that it seems like I have that together on the outside. Again, I think that, um, working with my dad and working with Dorfman and also, I mean, my mom is, has her MBA and like is really good at, at those kinds of things. And she reminds me to keep spread spreadsheets and things like that. So I definitely have um, people in my life being like, don't forget to do this, mm-hmm. don't forget to do that. Um, and just time, just time and experience, and also looking back at emails that have been sent by other people's booking people, and just sort of like studying, and just being like, oh, okay, so they use this language, and they ask for this much, so what could we conceivably ask for, and and how should we phrase it, and things like that, and just sort of like going, working with what you've got. And faking it
0: till you make it. <laughs> faking it till you make it. I like that. <laughs> uh, something that you said made me want to ask this question. But when you are writing a song, or you're up on stage performing live, are you aware of when you're when you are sort of dropped in enough to give as much as you can, or you know uh, if you're falling short? Are you aware? How do you sort of change courses? Do you worry about that, or is it just all what it is? Does that does that make sense? So, in terms of writing or performing, let's go with let's go with performing life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it's sort of like I kind of just like feel like I black out when I get really into it. Like, it's funny. Um, I don't, like I, like, I think I'm okay, like, health-wise. I don't, like, literally black out, but, like... But it does feel like... And I haven't... I don't usually, like, drink to excess before I play also, so I'm not actually blacking out. Everything's fine. But um, it is, like... You just, like, forget yourself. Hmm. Um, And that's... It's the best. I mean, it's, like, you don't... I don't realize when it's happening, and I don't... um I only realize like after kind of coming out of that, like oh my gosh, and usually it's because I have to like press a button on the drum machine or like on the looper. So it's it's actually been really interesting to have to, um, well not to have to, but we've we've incorporated all these other elements to our live set, and it takes like you know coordination, um, physical coordination, which is not my strong suit, but um, but you know I so it's kind of interesting to like like really like lose yourself but then like have to be aware enough to come out of that because you have to like you know I have to press like the the looper to play a sample or I have to whatever um, so that, that's been really interesting and really I mean it's been pretty difficult um, and so it's I think that what I want to start doing with our live sets is kind of treating them like we do with a, a Dorfman performance where i mean we don't have like you know don't have to do like the full tech run but like you know thinking about it as a a choreographed set um in terms of okay so after this song like i'm gonna play this transition and kind of making it a little more cohesive in that respect and then hopefully in rehearsing that um that like 40 minute piece essentially um it'll allow me to to continue to to really like lose myself and then it'll it'll be like second nature you know having to press all the buttons at that time but Mm -hmm. but it
0: I really do describe
1: it I mean that's usually it just kind of feels like you're just gone for a second
0: I saw Love Medea in Brooklyn which it's so fun it was amazing and you were amazing! Yeah, incredible. But Thank talk you. Talk about you're welcome. Talk about you having a lot of stuff going. I mean, <laughs> it kind of I mean, let me let me try to describe it as an outsider. <laughs> but you were singing in a band. You were an actor. You were moving all around what was a gigantic set that was full of audience members. It was very it was immer- an immersive yeah, theater absolutely. experience what what was that process like like putting together and who was oh, the director yada trevi so uh,
1: she's uh from miami um's been in in new york for you know a number of years she studied um at juilliard um, she studied dance at juilliard if i'm not mistaken um and she well, she's just she's just been like incredible to work with especially as someone i mean she's not so much older than I am and to see this incredible production that she put together, obviously, you know, with a lot of help as, as you, you know, you have to have help to do something on that scale. But, um, and it's, it was cool cause it was like all the same musicians that I worked with with Dorfman. Sam is very kind and sort of like continuing to pull us into these like awesome projects. Um, but I mean, that was, that was another one where I was just like, I'm along for the ride. Like, cause I, you know, I acted in like, in, um, middle school and high school and like my first year of of college um actually David Dorfman's son Sam Samson Dorfman was was in that was in that show um so I had some like I mean I don't want to call it training but you know I had some training and acting so I was like somewhat comfortable doing that um but I really was just like okay yeah I'm I'm in it let's do it you know okay like I haven't done this in a while but let's go let's dive in right so um I think that was that, again it was just like the trust thing and just being like I'm I'm with you let's let's go for it
0: were you lifted do I remember that or am I confusing uh not in that one' okay. been lifted were in stuff oh uh, again I am thinking of a piece in Wyoming yeah that, yep
1: yeah. that's
0: also been that was also I mean they're so
1: strong those dancers are like insane so I'm I actually like don't fear mostly I'm like I hope I'm not hurting you because I'm not holding my body properly Mm -hmm. you know I worry about that but they're they're so good they're professionals they know how to lift people but um, yeah that's that's a whole other thing Um, but yeah you know I think and yeah Medea Medea is one of those one of those times where I'm like and they, you know, I'm. Wear, I had to wear those like shoes that added. They're like the heeled boots, and then they. I had to walk around. And I was like, that was what I was most nervous about. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I'm gonna fall. Like I'm gonna fall on my face, but I didn't. I don't think
0: I did. Not the I, <laughs> I don't was think. There. I don't think it happened.
1: <laughs> it wasn't caught on film anyway. But um. But yeah, I think that's another example of like because I was so nervous um to be doing all those extra things I had to just lose myself like Mm -hmm. you are saying it's and again not to the extent that I for like miss my cue but but yeah I mean that's something that I'm always so impressed with like with um with the Dorfman dancers is like they're so in it and invested and then they're like flipping around on stage and I definitely am inspired by that um not that I'll try to do any Flips, but just yeah. Yet, yet, yet we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about Philly. You are from there? Yeah, I grew up in um, primarily in a suburb, like forty minutes north of the city, called Ambler, Pennsylvania. Um, and then I spent a lot of time in Doylestown as well, which is where my grandparents have lived my whole life. Um, and my all my cousins live there pretty much now. My mom was there, so I still go there. Um, but yeah, Philly's great. I love it. It's, uh, we live in West Philly and it's like, I mean, I feel like it's such a, uh, cliche thing to say, but it's like such a different pace, you know? Um, I also love it because I'm able to still work. I I can work in Brooklyn and New York. It's like, it's an easy bus ride or a train ride or even, even a drive. Um, and that's, that's been great. And I, I think I've realized that, like, as much as I love traveling, I am, like, such a homebody. Mm. And just having that space that I can call my own... Um, and we have a cat, and it's just, like... It's just... It's nice, you know? I I think having that um, particular level of comfort to come back to is really important to me, and something that's a little bit quieter and a little bit more private, I guess. Um, I didn't realize that was so important to me until... Um, I had it in the context of this new, like, um, busier traveling life. Um, but that's, and you know, when it's like, I, um, I moved around enough as a kid that I think, and it was all within like the greater Philadelphia area, but I moved around and changed houses enough as a kid that I think, I I would imagine that that's part of the reason why it's so important to me to just have a spot that I can call my own, where I can leave things wherever I want and it'll be there when I get
0: back. Mm, it's really beautiful. Oh,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's such a luxury that I think um, I don't want to take it for granted. It's like such a nice thing to have. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, Philly is very affordable. Um, and I don't, I'm not constantly worried about, about money which is a nice thing as well and um yeah i i I love i also i do love being close to my family that's really important to me um yeah what what
0: inspires you that's such a good question
1: Lately, lately, but also always, it really is just thinking about... It's a lot of, it's like based in a lot of memories, I feel like, that I have from childhood. And I feel like, I mean... Yeah, that that's always been the case. Um, I think also, I mean, there are certain musicians that um I mean like I've always like St. Vincent has always just been sort of like this like I don't know just always put her on a pedestal but um but I'm very I'm inspired by um the all of like the strange sounds and textures that are in her albums that you know I, I feel like that sort of, and also I mean, also working with, um, working in the modern dance world and working with with Sam Crawford and just being exposed to all of these different kind of soundscapes. I feel like that has inspired me over the last couple of years to just not not be afraid to, to like, do something that seems strange or out of the ordinary. And I like the challenge of taking a really strange sound um and putting it into like a more like traditional like song like a a, poppy or a rock song or something I think that there's something so cool about that um and exciting about that um yeah I think I think it's it's been a lot of what's inspired me has has been... Has been um, ruminating on on memories, um, especially because they are so dream-like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I love dreams. I used to I used to write down all of my dreams, and that used to be something that really inspired me. Um, and I used to lucid dream a lot. I want to try to get back to that too. Um, but yeah, I think I think memory. I think that's that's where i'm at right now it's a long-winded way of saying memory
0: oh it's <laughs> quite, quite beautiful that's hi lisa <laughs> <laughs> lisa. <laughs> lisa race enters the picture um we will end there because i think that's there's something about your song clouds up ahead that memory dreams Hello. looking there. back forward it's all in there yeah and thank you for spending Thank Some you of your morning with me. Oh my God. Oh.
1: Thank you so much. You're I'm welcome. so excited to hear all the other
0: interviews unfold. Yeah. Thank you. Sam Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <I> <laughs> <laughs> We're all in paradise. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to The Aaron Roy Show. I'll leave you with Liz Delise and her song, Clouds Up Ahead.